0: Ladies bring your character shoes. Men bring your jazz shoes. Everyone should bring knee pads. Hello, hello, hello. I am your host, Kalechi AZA. Welcome back to Cake and Kombucha. Cake and Kombucha podcast is a place where we talk about politics, pop culture, internet memes, anecdotes, city living, deep thoughts, squirrels, cardboard boxes. You know the drill. So... Yeah. That's an email that I got this week. Knee pads. These were the instructions I received for a callback for a musical. You're probably looking at your earbuds, took them out Was like, "Bitch, what did you did I Don't look at it like that. Yes, I said knee pads. Where are your knee pads at? If you don't have knee pads at the ready, you know what they say? You know what they say? As soon as you get knee pads <sighs> Yeah, I don't really think about knee pads a lot. And if you do, you're probably a freak. So let me know what you're into because I'm actually a little bit curious. But no, I had to go buy knee pads today at Capizio um, just to be prepared. This is the life of an actor. Always be prepared. Always be prepared. Always be prepared for neography. Always. Never be without knee pads. N-B-W-K. Never be without knee pads. Um, Yeah, so that is what happened. Um, But it was fun going to the Capizio store. It made me feel like a little little gal again, looking at all the ballerina clothes and imagining if I had a completely different build and I could have been on point. um, Things that were never cut out for me for my future. But hey, a leotard is a leotard. And is she cute? And it's fun, too it's fun to dress up. It's fun to dress up in leotards and tights and all that. And oh, you know, just remind me of simpler times. So that was interesting. But um, what other actors have happened? I took an acting class that was amazing. I've been trying to get into it for six years, merely because the wait list, as soon as it opened up, sells out immediately. And it was super cool to take something that was actually worth the hype. Like I feel like as an adult, you get so jaded and you feel like you have been around the block. And, honey, have I seen some things? And you just, it's not, I definitely don't think I know everything. I believe very much, I've always been like a student. I'll always be a student. I'm very much about learning new things and finding mentors and people that can teach me. But with classes and acting and being a black person, I mean, from sitting in rooms, being told that I look like a young Whoopi Goldberg. And, and Google my picture, you'll be confused. And that's not shade to Whoopi Goldberg. It's just shade to, like, the sighted and unsighted people. Like, what? Like, no. Or, you know, hearing, being in Meisner training. Meisner is a kind of, the foundation of that is you sit across from people and you blurt out, like, the first thing comes to your face and being told, like, you look like a gorilla and things like that. I mean the acting class is such a fraught place for to be a minority because it's kind of like there's no HR in this situation. I mean, the arts in general, it's like here's a place where anything goes. People are speaking more off the cuff and from their id than they usually would. And so not only are they going to say whatever comes to them and whatever influences that they have from society, from their upbringing, which are inevitably going to be racist if they're like... mean alive pretty much not only do they say that then like they'll cry about it like extra hard if you call them on it because it's like feelings so you're just something about being a black artist in white spaces you're always going to be a there's a part of you that's reserved there's a part of you that's held back I was going to say thwarted it's like that double you know, vision, that um, the double, the mask, the duality that Du Bois talks about, you're always, okay, I'm presenting myself and I'm, I'm in this space where I'm aware that we're supposed to be vulnerable and authentic, but I also know everything I do is being filtered in this other way and being perceived in this different way. So I'm managing that filtering while I'm just trying to have an experience and a moment for myself, for my own damn self. So it can be this fraught, experience and 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 this is not limited to actors I mean any minority who's been in a classroom where they're a minority can can relate to this as well so to finally take this class the the legendary Bob Krakauer class and actually be given like something technical that's like it's not an emotion it's just like wow here's a thing like here's this way to approach this thing and look at it like this and like this will, and all these things are elucidated and like will become clear. And I'm like, Oh wow. Like keys to a kingdom. Really cool. Just nerded out to be excited about being a student again and to learn from watching other people and stuff. So I have had a great couple of days and that was just, yeah, something positive to share with you. Um, I don't want this to become the curmudgeonly podcast podcast, as we go into talking about the world, politics, um, just uh, America. Ma- America, get your shit together. Like, what is going on? So, yeah, that's all. Um, I don't even know how many actors, listener. I know a few of you listening are actors. But, um, yeah, I would love to hear about your experiences in those situations or just classroom experiences, et cetera, et cetera. What invigorates you? When's the last time you were, like, excited to be back as a student yeah. Share. Share. You know where to find me. Leave the internet alone for five minutes and a scandal about something that wasn't really a scandal, but yet is still interesting to talk about because I like to talk about stuff. I have a podcast. Well, hi. Welcome. It'll pop up. So Ayesha Curry, she is a polarizing figure. In pop culture, let's say pop culture. It's definitely the black community. Perhaps not as much pop culture as a whole, but let's say that. Um, wife to Steph Curry. Is this Steph or Steve? I'm going to be strong in the fact that I actually don't know that. I'm going to say it's, it has an H at the end, so it's Steph Curry. You know, with a cute little daughter, who used to be like, Daddy, be quiet. And an NBA player. NBA. Don't come for me. NBA player. Um, For California. Sacramento. Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors. Sans Google, everybody. Sans Google. See, si. applause. She was on our favorite table talking on top of our favorite table. And what color tables do we like? Red. I think that's how the show should start. I'll stop now. She was on Red Table Talk, the viral internet show that gets millions of views, hosted by Jada Pinkett Smith onto Facebook, straight onto Facebook, which is like brilliant, probably changing the face of television as we know it. We'll look back in a couple of years and be like, wow. In any case, she was on the show talking about how she feels some insecurity over the years um, from not getting that external validation from people. And so from men specifically, from the opposite sex, the sex that she is interested in sexually. So she said, in addressing the topic of women approaching her husband, she said something that really bothers me and honestly has given me a sense of a little bit of insecurity is the fact that, yeah, there are all these women like throwing themselves at him, but me, that, like the past 10 years, I don't have any of that. I have zero, this sounds weird, but like male attention. And so then I begin to internalize it and I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Me?
1: Me? 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 Me?
0: So this started an interesting little internet kerfluffle. Um, in some ways, what she said is very relatable. In some ways, it pissed people the fuck off. Um, so my opinion of what she said is that I think it seems kind of natural. As an unmarried person, I know that marriage is, you don't just marry people because of the way they look, hopefully, if you're not dumb. Um, You've made a decision that you want to be with that person based on a combination of qualities that they have. So while your partner may make you feel loved and supported, you don't necessarily wake up every morning and be like, I'm the hottest bitch in the land because this guy feels this way about me. And I don't want to hear any of that self-validation, newfangled, Oprah's soul couch stuff right now. I'm just talking about the facts. And we all know if you're a girl and you're listening, when another girl comes up to you and says, Oh, I just have to tell you, your makeup looks so pretty, or your eyebrows are on fleek, you're like, Oh my God, yes, success, ching ching. It's just nice to be validated. So I can imagine. And so then this dynamic happens where I feel like the way men and women pursue each other is four different things and in a very different way. So you, like, men don't chase women down. Like, they. it's like, yeah, if you're a girl, like, you can have sex from anywhere you want. Everyone wants to have sex with you, but they're not, like, she is watching women, like, chase her husband down, hide in hotel rooms, and try to get, like, impregnated and stuff like that. And it comes from this, wanting to have the alpha, like, prime choice of a partner for your father, like, since women are taught that what we need to do is be in relationships, and that's, like, what brings meaning to our lives, and then we're validated by the partner that we pick, the male partner that we pick, who, in worst case scenario, kind of, I mean, we take his last name, he subsumes our identity, like, that is, you know, that used to be the law. You were your husband's property. So this stuff runs deep. Whereas I've always, because I have think about this, because I've looked at like standing and fangirling and female pop stars, like female, po- like a Beyonce concert, there's no straight men in the audience like screaming and passing out. Now, there are lots of reason for it. Like there's, are straight men taught to be as effusive and as emotive about their feelings? Like maybe not. Um, but like, she's a sexy beautiful woman but people don't like people don't do that and like maybe she's a bad example because I've heard men say that she seems like cold and unapproachable like she's no fun in bed because she's too pretty or something but like okay Rihanna Rihanna seems like she would smoke a blunt with you or whatever I mean she would definitely do that very sexy woman like guys talk about how hot she is but still she she has a better Oh, I didn't mean to say better, but a girl can dream. She has a pick of her pick of the litter in terms of Saudi princes, and yeah, your dating pool is going to be improved by being rich and famous and beautiful. However, like, she's not. I don't think men are like knocking. I don't think no matter how beautiful you are, like men are just like routinely showing up in your hotel room, like and poking holes in condoms. I mean, like, be my baby's mother, be my baby's mother. It's just not an even type of attention worship um and so i can see it makes sense to me that she says she's been with him for 10 years and for 10 years people stopped paying attention to her because now her identity is that she is owned you know quote unquote or air quotes by this powerful man like that's you know that what's the one thing you can say to a guy who's bothering well that's a lie. That doesn't work. But what is one of the things you can try to say to get them to leave you alone? Oh, I have a boyfriend. They even ask that. Oh, you got a boyfriend. You got a, like, who owns you? Or do I get to talk to you or not? Because who owns you? Now, really, those say like, oh, we could just be friends. Or what's that got to do with me? That's that's a whole nother story. But, you know, so it's this, this ownership thing where she kind of fades into the background and disappears now that she is a wife and belongs to someone. Now, if she went out without the ring and just without the three kids and hit the streets, yeah, she get all kinds of attention, I'm sure. It wouldn't be the same caliber of attention where you're like valued as her husband's getting. It would be a lot of inventive, crude pickup lines because that's what we usually get. So that's my long-winded way of saying that it's I, I do see what she's saying. I, th- I see that you wouldn't necessarily feel like external validation just by virtue of being married to one person. I mean, come on. We know people stray, all kinds of stuff. I mean, who's ever been picked up by a married dude uh, at a bar? They will talk your ear off all night long just trying to remember, see if they still got it. You got to be like, dude, move over. You're blocking my way. I'm on a mission. And yeah, so boom, like doesn't necessarily get that from her husband is married wife becomes main persona maybe doesn't get out that much without him you're just not feeling and you're not a star and even if you were a star men straight men don't chase women down with that kind of like love idolization worship the way they do for the way women do of men now if you're a men's rights activist school shooter like 4chan person listening hey welcome just kidding And you're not, but I'm saying like they would probably say, oh, women get everything and but their whole thing is based on that. We are the gatekeepers for sex, right? Like we usually are the ones that say whether sex is going to happen or not. However, we don't just, you know, that's not the only thing that we want usually. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like whether who you can get to have sex with you. I'm talking about who you can get to pursue you know that they would drop everything for you. Marry you? Like your genetic material is what I need. Like you are it. You are everything to me. That's just a kind of fangirling that doesn't happen to women. So yes, I can imagine it would be weird to watch happen to your husband. So that aside, I'm in the camp of like I get where she's coming from. I can see how that would be weird. However, this the internet is just dragging her for filth. Like why? Because she kind of put her foot in it a little bit. Because in the past she's made comments like. Am I the only one that learned how to get dr- What happened when women would just cover up? I saved my gifts for my husband and things like that. It's like, well, girl, you went viral for talking about you save your girls for your husband. And now you're like, oh, guess what? It's kind of boring only showing my gifts to my husband. Like, I can see, I'm surprised if she didn't think she was going to get any pushback. And I'm not, I don't think she should have, shouldn't have said it. Like, get your therapy session from Jada and let Jada help you work it out. But... I'm just saying, I get it. Like she has kind of made a brand off of being part of a cute light skinned family that seemed middle-class and kind of like Huxable-ish. And I, I do not begrudge this of her or first ladies that may not have had another profession, so to speak of or anything. Like if you're homemaking is a profession and if your husband becomes famous and you become famous, like take it, build that brand. But my thing is like, do we all need to make cookbooks? Like, were we all really this good at cooking before? Do we just have to make cookbooks? Did y'all really make this cookbooks? Did a chef design it? And then you branded it. Like, do I have to learn how to cook on the internet from you if you are somebody's wife? Like, I don't think that makes you a good cook. I'm just saying that's my little rant on that. However, she just kind of rubs people the wrong way now. She made it seem like being married is a virtue and that we should look up to them for getting married and finding the love of their lives at 20 or however, when they started dating in holy Bible camp, I don't know. Instead of it just kind of being like, well, your parents sent you away to camp for the Bible and told you you had to get married early, so you met a cute person and you married them early. And now you're a mom and... Being a mom is, I think, awesome. Happy Mother's Day. I love all the mother figures in my life. Want to be a mom one day, too. But it's just not, I mean, it's your brand, and you then needed to be more careful about not saying things that sounded like they were talking down to other women because nobody likes someone that wears skirts under their ankles and criticizes everyone else. You just seem like you're going to be sweaty and tired, okay? But it's very interesting. People are going in on her, well, I thought you said your husband gave you everything you need. <laughs> like, they're so mad. And I, I get it. There's just something about her brand that I think needs to... It's pitched just kind of the wrong way. And I don't think Michelle Obama makes people feel that way. Like, there are other people that are wives and moms and family women and who who just... You know, they talk about they could talk about similar topics, or even like Chrissy Teigen, same deal. Like, but again, she had a career first that was separate from being John Legend's wife. So I I kind of see why people are mad. I kind of see where she's coming from. I just think it is what it is. But like on a scale of like one to annoying, yeah, she's annoying. Sure, I think she's annoying. I, I do too, but. I'm going to give her like a slight pass on this one because we all grow and have to look on Twitter to see how something we said connects to something else we said at some point. Okay, so this week in political tomfoolery, where do we begin? Well, let's start with taxes. You know, there's nothing certain in life but death and taxes. And for Donald Trump, he's very familiar with one of those. I don't have anything to say about the other because I don't want to be arrested. Um, So, printouts from Mr. Trump's official Internal Revenue Service tax transcripts, according to reporting for the New York Times, show, and this is his 1040 easy, they show that from 1985 to 1994, he had losses that totaled $1.17 billion. Billion dollars. He has lost more money than almost any other single individual in tax history. And he also, for that portion, I think it was in, uh, there was one year that he represented, his losses represented 2% of the losses of the entire country. So he was basically like his own little state of losing money. This information, again, the thing that I think is really shady is that it's not a tax return. He has not... He still has not officially released his taxes, but someone has leaked all of the figures from his federal tax form so that you can basically reconstruct this. uh, You can basically reconstruct the return. So nobody likes him, the shade, who did it, I'm not sure. Um, But it was really interesting to learn about the kinds of things that he did, and it's just that double level of you already know someone's a charlatan, But then you find out that they're not a charlatan in the way that you thought they were. So we know that he is a crooked businessman, but he's not even a businessman. He's just a man without the business part. I mean, it's like, so what do you actually do? What do you do other than just be rich? I mean, we've talked in the pod before about the loan that he got from his father, which he likes to downplay. I mean, and it's really interesting also on the daily if you listen to the daily has a concise 23 minute story about this and it shows that for every year, his father's businesses made more money. His father knew exactly like what rent he was going to get back from his apartment buildings. And every year, Trump would just lose, lose, lose. And then he would borrow against those losses. Um, in a sense, he they were saying that he invented too big to fail because he was always allowed to borrow more money because banks needed him to succeed in the hopes that he would earn money that he was owed back. So it's just another interesting way of looking at how The wealthy always have more things afforded to them. And the losses that he had allowed him to not have to pay any taxes. Now, he has bragged about that openly. He said, like, if you know, he said, I think it was at a rally that he said that if you could figure out how to not pay taxes, you're just smart. I mean, so the question has been posed, is this just some way of maneuvering things so you don't have to pay taxes? I mean, no. You losing $46 million in a year is not... Good. Now it would be like smart accounting if you lost maybe a million and then you didn't have to pay taxes. N- this is clearly just, you know, orders of magnitude bigger, experts are saying than that. This is this is someone who's just incompetent. And his brand basically was his personality. His brand Um, Was his persona larger than life, which got him into restaurants, which made him friends with politicians, which made him a figure around New York, you know, in the 80s and the 90s. And the art of the deal. What deal? What are you what are you dealing in? So it's interesting because the reason he didn't want to have his tax returns released, I mean, apart from showing like illegal things in them, it seems to be right now because of his ego, like, such a part of his ego and his whole identity is tied up into being this mega businessman. And that was his only qualification as such that was supposed to allow him to learn how to be president. And it's it's a farce. And so, I mean, he just flung money around. It, it was just really crazy. Now, I learned this from watching CNN. And I watched it for... I watched for a while. It was on in the background. Um, and I have to say, I don't care anymore. Like, it was on there for hours. First, we watched Chris Cuomo, who is cute. I can't help it. I, he is. I can't help it. I feel guilty because he's super corny. He talked about it. And then Anderson Cooper talked about it. And Don Lemon talked about it. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to watch about his taxes for three hours. This is, the news is not breaking anymore. The news dumb broke, okay? Like, you can't learn anything else about the world from CNN. It really is news, newsfotainment, and it's annoying. There was a, a political commentator, Jason Johnson, on the news, and, like, people have these punchlines that they just waited to deliver, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Can someone help you with some better material? He was talking about how for the bar hearings, they were eating fried chicken last week. And he said, well, now they just need to serve. The only thing they need to serve is peach and mint. No. Stop it. I know. Just know. You don't have any friends that you ran that by first who didn't laugh? Stop. Also, this guy's glasses were way too thick. You could see the reflection like from the inside of the lenses. And I think if you're on TV, you should be able to afford high index lenses. So if you can't, have your manager, have your people, work that into your contract somehow. But I was so turned off by that and to pivot. So I'm watching about these taxes on the news. And then I had to learn from my phone news alert that there's been another school shooting And nothing I was watching stopped to insert that. There was no byline at the bottom of the screen or anything. And to my knowledge, I went to bed and it still wasn't mentioned. So that is such a sad state of affairs for like the way news is going. And, you know, I'm, you know, we, we rail on about Fox and I mean, I think there's a difference between, you know, what's right and wrong and clearly like racism, homophobia, woman hating is wrong. So they're on the side of the wrong. But in terms of structure, like it's very frightening that the structure of kind of like gotcha statements and little pithy phrases could be similar on both sides. I guess I'm looking for more. And maybe that is part of, I think when I first started listening to podcasts, that is something that I found journalism that seemed to have a purpose and that wasn't shy about having an activist cause and it's storytelling perhaps um and that wasn't just entertainment because I at least know that I can turn on certain things and hear different things about what's going on in the world whereas with CNN it's just going to be three to four hours of the same topics with all kinds of panelists I mean and when you have the, the real expert on the topic, like perhaps say something esoteric and one person actually knows, you talk to that eyewitness, then you get your cousin because there's you could just ask anybody who has a thought and they'll come and talk about whatever that topic is. It's, it's very it's annoying and I, it's very different than it was when I was growing up. So my mom is in town for a business and- at our hotel in Times Square. Um, tonight, she and my brother went to see Hamilton for the first time, and I am here in the hotel recording. And I thought I'd share with you this mic test song that I made up impromptu, Off the Cuff, just inspired by the lights of Broadway. I'm
1: in Times Square and I'm testing the mic. Don't know how long this mic test will last But all I know is a musical can be made from testing the mic I just have to ping my voice to the front of my face And then I can be a Broadway mic tester I'll test the mic for my podcast In breaking news, the House
0: Judiciary Committee has voted to hold Attorney General William Poopyhead Barr in contempt of Congress for failing to turn over Robert S. Mueller III's unredacted reports. Um, so that happened. They voted 24 to 16. Uh, they, this is after Trump tried to use executive privilege to shield the full report and underline executive, uh, sorry, underlying evidence from Congress, my question is just, when you who, when they don't have something to hide, is like, "No, no, don't look. I don't get it. Like I, we're not even trying to be not sketchy anymore. We're just doing things and seeing what sticks. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders to, um, you know, defend him. She says that the American people see through Chairman Nadler's desperate ploy to distract from the president's historically successful agenda in our booming economy. Um when you like when you're trying to defend something that someone did, you don't just get to bring up like other good things that they did. Like, say, like, say there's a videotape of me like punching my coworker in the face and I like didn't want it to be released my defense couldn't be like they're just trying to distract from the fact that she planted flower gardens and every day she makes her oatmeal and it's not runny it's really thick the way you asked like those things are unrelated the fact that we have a booming economy is not an excuse for like obstructing justice it doesn't make it okay but she's unfortunately not an idiot, even though she looks a hot mess. She's not an idiot because that actually is where we are. Like, that actually is what matters to people. We are at a point where the president, his attorney general, they're just going to keep breaking the laws and stuff. And then, and perj not, not perjuring, but um, you know what I mean. They're going to keep doing this. And then they're going to be like, oh, but the economy's great. And that's what people care about at this point. I just think it's funny that when it's uh, a an, an mediocre white president, he can do whatever he wants. However, when we had a black president, it was all like the Constitution, the Constitution, the Constitution. I don't want other people to have health care because you're, you're messing with my constitution. So it's all about the rules and the rules and the rules and the rules. When it's a black president, and now we just have like no hold bar, anything goes, like, anything goes, so it's just so incomprehensibly shady, like, I just want people to lie to me better, just talk, talk to me nice, talk to me nice, you know, like, what are you, like, I don't, I just don't get this as a way of uh, distracting from something, like, why, what is a conceivable reason that we would not be able to look at the results of an investigation if you didn't do anything wrong? That's crazy to me. Like, I don't get it. It's it's just crazy. Like, mind-blown. Like, we're really here. We're deadlocked over this. This is happening. Um, CNN, which I'm never going to watch it in long swaths of time again to come and talk to you guys about it, but they kept saying that he's courting impeachment, that now they're saying that Trump wants to be impeached to somehow, I guess, like, have something to fight against, and, and that would be a feather in his cap and kind of make him look more like aggrieved and victimized and beat up upon by the Democrats and like kind of curry more favor with his base. I can see how that, I can see how that would be what happens. I don't think that was his plan. Like I think, again, I think the most intelligent thing about him is the ability for everyone who used to work for him to go to jail and not him. Like, I think he's a scammer at his core, but he's not a good businessman. He's not a good man-man. He's just a rich scammer. But I don't think all of these things are planned. I think they're working together because we underestimated how easily distracted and racist um, a lot of the country is. And they want a blowhard to get behind, and this is the one that they picked. So... Um, I also heard some people saying, like, in some ways it makes, you know, they're going to ignore all the tax return stuff and this investigation, the report, because it it kind of impugns you if you're like, oh, wait, I elected an idiot, so now you just feel like you got to stand behind what you did, you know? What he needs to do, maybe he'll, if he keeps deporting everybody's, like, mexican girlfriends and all the people that were like racist and like i meant those immigrants not the ones that i'm related to or married to or sleeping with maybe if he keeps supporting everyone's like best friends be like wait you mean oh what then they'll remember like hey this guy's not good because those those were the people that were on tv talking about i never thought it'd be me i didn't know he was talking about me but yeah, I don't know, like we need some opposition and we need some opposition from outside of the echo chamber of people that didn't vote for him anyway because this is getting absolutely outrageous, like really, really crazy. And, you know, it's just weird to think about 2020 because I we want this like hope, this figurehead, this deus ex machina of some kind, something that change changed this around. But now I'm like, I don't think half of the country feels like they're living in an, the emergency situation that I do. They seem kind of unbothered. So that's the tea. And I don't know if it's going to get like more interesting or if it's just going to kind of fizzle away into the background because nothing seems to be sticking with this dude. But we will we'll follow it and talk about it more next week if anything happens.
1: Sometimes a mic test... Is quiet and introspective But then you know we're building To the part where we'll scream Do I need to stand back just like this? Or do I need to come so close Cause maybe I'm a rock mic Maybe I'm a rock mic got a little blues, yeah, am I a musical with a mostly white chorus of teenagers, oh, maybe, maybe I'm a middle-aged black woman. Something like that in the middle While other white actors are talking That everyone will clap a lot But no one will know my name Because I'm not central to the development of the plot
0: Duchess, Megan's baby is here. He is a cute little bundle. I saw pictures, seven pounds, three ounces. His name is Archie, which that was a choice. I don't have a lot of positive things to say about that name, but cool, 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 cool. Um, You know, I've said before, I don't really believe in the royal family. (laughs) Like... I mean I do know they exist. I believe they're real, but just as someone who's anti-colonialism, I'm not sure that there's something that I need to put on a pedestal for having done nothing. Like to me, you can't rag on the Kardashians and stand the royal family because they in in some ways the Kardashians have done more to amass their fame. They had to work for it, get surgeries that I'm sure were painful. Make sex tapes, things of that nature Instead of just an accident of birth Anyway, I'm just here for the mess So I was immediately interested that an actress And a b- biracial actress With an African American mom with dreadlocks of that You know, was joining the royal family That's interesting And I just like watching people get in a kerfluffle I'm going to keep saying the word kerfluffle This episode um, So yeah, people, been, people are real mad They're real mad about it And it's exciting to watch So the baby's born. The baby is here. Megan is looking even more African-American than usual. When you're pregnant, you get darker. Your features get bigger and more prominent. And she is just looking like a puffy African-American woman, and I love it. I, I'm i here for it. It's great. So please stunt on them. As for the baby, the baby is... What can I add? The baby's like a quarter black. So... I we have no idea what the child's going to look like but people have been trying to predict this forever and it's just so interesting there was an article in CNN called how black will the royal baby be now first of all people didn't really read the article they were just outraged by the title because if you actually read it it was an interesting analysis of just the 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 how biracial people have kind of become a fixture of uh like a a symbol of racial healing and shown as some kind of bomb that like we've done everything we're supposed to do to have an equitable society which is utter nonsense and and it it just you know i'll say that the article was kind of rambling in the way that cnn is i mean you don't get to write like a proper like new yorker or atlantic length essay for the website so they kind of threw had different paragraphs that were completely unrelated like i think this and then i think this and the paragraph um About how black will the royal baby be? Admonished people for trying to predict what the baby would look like and kind of doing that fetishization of mixed kids and, you know, oh, they're going to have this combination. They can look like this. They can have red hair. So I have seen a lot of that, like, will the baby have red hair? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I don't know. I think that it's, you know, for someone to come and turn the world upside down by intermarrying into the family. She is about as light as, I mean, she's extremely light. So if you have an issue with her, then you like, kind of just like hate brunettes. So I just think it was, people lost their minds. I mean, you couldn't have really asked for a lighter skinned black person to join the family and still, you know, they had to shut down, you know, she had to have extra guards. And I thought it was really interesting that Prince Harry seemed to be a little bit like alarmed by some of the backlash too. And, But also, I'm kind of glad that he got, like, a quick lesson in what, you know, being black means. It means hate mail sometimes. So, anyway, congratulations to the family and to little Archibald. And let's see if he has red hair and an afro. So the Met Gala happened, and... It seems that a lot of people don't understand what camp is. They think that it means you're outside without basic amenities, or they just did not, they just read and said, did not compute, kept going with their day. I feel a little hypocritical saying this because, in some sense, I don't like costume parties. I feel like when I was in college, there was always a theme party, and I went to school someplace that was not, like, um, there was, it didn't have good access to a mall or anything. It kind of just had, like, Talbot's and things like that, and a diamond store on the main street. Like, there was no place for me to go get costumes. I don't even think, was Amazon popping like that? I don't even think it was. So, I just remember kind of being confused and resentful of people that had endless costume trunks available. I was like, why can't we just go to any party and just be cute? Like, I'm out the house for the first time in my life. I just want to look cute. And now it's always about looking goofy like someone else. However, that said, I do love Halloween as my favorite holiday. So if I was really rich and someone gave me a theme and I had access to like a couture team with my time, wealth, resources, people willing to put free stuff on me, people I can ask for help, you can bet that I would have a campy outfit for a camp theme. I don't understand why some people thought I will just wear sparkles. The definition of camp is not sparkles. I don't understand why some people just thought I'll wear a long dress. The definition of camp is not a red carpet like every other red carpet that you usually go on. Or I'll just be weird. No, like it has to be referential to something. So to elaborate on the theme this year, it was an ode to Susan Sontag's essay that made her famous, Notes on Camp, which um, we had to read in English class, I think most people probably do in college. Um, However, uh, to give you a little excerpt from it, she famously said, The essence of camp is its love of the unnatural, of artifice and exaggeration. And camp is esoteric, something of a private code a badge of identity even, amongst small urban cliques. Um, She kind of like, then she goes through famous artists and says, you know, Cocteau is camp, but not Guide. Strauss is camp, but not Wagner. Caravaggio and much of Mozart are grouped with Jane Mansfield and Bette Davis. So, and she also says, interestingly, the true aristocrats of tastes are homosexuals whose aestheticism and irony alongside Jewish moral seriousness made up the modern sensibility. Okay, so with that being said, obviously Billy Porter won the red carpet. Like that's obvious to anyone who has eyes. Um, he came in glitter head to toe, even though I, not let me not say not glitter, I said camps not glitter, sequins, it was sequence, Head to toe sequins, Egyptian-themed with, like, wings and then was being carried on a a bed uh, that oily, bare-chested men, like, carried him down the red carpet. It was fantastic. It was over the top. It was making a scene. It was making a performance. I think, for me, camp definitely has an aspect of theatricality to it, and that is why... And I also love when she said it's esoteric, which means that I... Can just sit here and be like, no, I don't think that was it. I think it was because <laughs> I hang out with a lot of homosexuals. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I'm not. It's kind of this thing that you just know you feel it. And I don't I let me tell you this. I know not everybody read the essay. I can tell you that much. Not everybody read the essay. I think the people who were I liked the people that were referring to something else. Ashley, Ashley Graham, um, had like Dapper Dan leggings and like a Gucci tuxedo dress, tuxedo jacket dress. Like that was cool. Um, Lady Gaga it's such a funny circumstance for her because it was campy, but everything she does is campy. Like her brand is camp. That's what she does best. So she nailed it, but we don't really think she nailed it. We're just like, ah, what is she doing? Like being weird again? Like you're just being extra. Like, yeah, that's exactly... She did what she was supposed to do. Um, what else was funny? If P- Cardi B went as a red carpet, which I thought was interesting. Like, I like the I like the concept. I like the kind of meta theatrical. Like, you're going down the red carpet as a red carpet. Um, Jared Leto having his he- own head as an accessory. Brilliant, frightening. I, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Um, people said that uh Nicki Minaj looked like a chitlin from behind, <laughs> which was mean and also accurate if you look. And then Sierra's hair. I thought that was a fa- I thought it was fantastic. First of all, she could barely move her head. And I know I that had to be like at least eight pounds of hair. It was huge but i liked it as this kind of like exaggerated statement of femininity like we all want this like big voluminous hair be it an afro be it long straight whatever like that's this thing that we work so hard to get even though you know quiet as is kept we don't make as much testosterone as men and really they should be the ones that wear their hair long but you know everything in life is set up to be a struggle so i guess that's how we got in the situation we're in but she that giant hair to me just represented that kind of like artifice and this statement of like look at all the stuff that usually goes into you know it's 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 almost it's almost like mocking herself because she had hair that was like almost as big as that like last week she had a ponytail attachment that was the size of like eight people's heads put together so it's it was almost like this is what I usually do for the red carpet anyways put on this crazy extra stuff for you these layers these extensions, but now I'm just kind of like, if I just touch the dial a notch this way, it's camp. And I liked it because it made me think about that line between like regular entertainment, red carpet, pop culture, things we do slash like, oh, the only reason we don't think this is absolutely ridiculous that, you know, someone has cutouts on their butt and on the side and wherever – is we have all decided together. Like we decided in this moment that this is appropriate, but the next moment it might not be appropriate. And I think that's kind of like some things that Sontag like alludes to in the essay when you're just like talk about like the spirit of who is making these decisions, like who's the arbiter of what is camp. Anyway, for those who didn't try poo-poo on you, poo-poo for wasting your resources, Um, for everybody else for showing up and showing now and Giving us something to read about and be excited about. What I want to know is what happens on the inside. Like, what are the cocktails like? What's the open bar situation like? I feel like a lot of costumes people have no one can eat in them. Oh, I will. I want to give a. I want to give a second runner-up to Kim K because I happened upon this video of her preparing for the event, and she talked about how she'd planned with Mugler for eight months for this. And it was like a weird bubble because she, again, like the lack of self-awareness to already be known for having such a tiny waist and a big butt that's artificially constructed, that you oftentimes wear dresses that are all flesh toned and made out of latex or silicone and things like that. And then to have Moogler plan for eight months to create a dress for you that looks a lot just like other things that you wear, but then to watch her like earnestness and excitement about it. And she just talks, she's like, I have never, this team has been more than what I ever thought a team could be. This is more exciting than my wedding day. I, I used to sit and dream about coming to this event and the detail. He chooses the jewels on your nails and girl, you chose a flesh tone dress. It's shiny and wet looking, just like lots of other things that you do. I I I was floored. Like I had my makeup done for fun at the Giorgio Mani counter like last year, and the guy took this. Um, there's like a hundred dollar product that's this wet gel, and instead of like a, he's like, I'm doing a wet highlight instead of a dry highlight. So he put it, you know, where the light reflects kind of like strobing or whatever you call it, where the light hits with this wet gel is like for the Kim K look. I was like, you've been doing this for a minute. So it was just, I'm going to give her, she was like inverse camp. Like if Sierra was like awareness camp and like kind of referring to yourself camp, then Kim Kardashian is like, Oh, bless your heart camp. That's what she was like. You were thrilled about the corseting, and you got your waist extra small this time, and it looks weird, but it always looks a little bit weird. So I was just like, girl, wow. Wow. Campy is wearing wearing flesh tone things with clear heels. Okay. Got it. But bless her heart, she tried. And she and her team, her legal team, have let 17 people got 17 people out of jail so far. So I'm not mad at it. You know, keep studying. Keep doing what you're doing. If you're going to do the right thing with your power, then how, you know, I'm not, why am I to getting mad? You know, keep doing what you're doing. That's it for another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Thank you so much for joining. And please subscribe. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And if you like what you hear, please rate and subscribe. That's how I can find you and keep giving you more of the content you love. All right. Ta-ta for now and see you next week. Cake and Kombucha is produced by Kelechi Azier with political contributions from Thomas Winder. The music you hear is from the lovely Melanie JB Charles. If you like what you hear, find her on Spotify or go to melaniejbcharles.com for tour information. <laughs>
1: Just the sherry Leave with scary dream Once